0: Everybody, If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here. Glad that you're here at Christ the King. If you are on spring break, congratulations. If you're just uh, ending spring break, my condolences to you, okay? We're glad that you're here today. We've been doing a series called God Is. The whole concept began on a snow weekend a couple of weeks ago when uh, thousands of people couldn't come to church. So I sat down at my computer and said, fill in the blank, let's bring church to you, fill in the blank with the statement, God is. And I was amazed at what people put in the blank, I was amazed at what people omitted from the blank. And so we thought, I think God's up to something. So we began to kind of roll out the concept, we had people texting in answers over the last couple of weeks, we've had over a thousand responses up to this point. At the same time this was going on, I was reading a devotional written by A.W. Tozer, and this little statement captured my imagination, it said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So thinking about all of that together, this week we're going to dive into two answers that came up in the responses that were really mirror images of each other. They were complete opposites, complete antithesis of each other. The first one is what I would call Christian predictable, okay? Many people filled in the blank this way, God is trustworthy. I would expect Christians to respond that way. I mean, if you hand over to Jesus, your past, your present, and future, I mean, you better hope He's trustworthy, right? But this is where the tension and the hypocrisy also begin to creep in because we make the declaration and then we start adding disclaimers to it. Of course I trust God with my kids. Just not enough to bless him to take my kid, my son or my daughter to the other side of the world to talk to people about Jesus who may not share the same opinion that I have about Jesus. Of course I trust God with my money, right? But not enough to live according to the financial principles that God's given us in Scripture. Of course I trust God. Right up to the point where I'm no longer in control because I really like calling the shots. Of course, I trust God with my future spouse. I just want to pick him. All right? Of course, I trust God as long as I'm comfortable, completely provided for in a way that's keeping with my lifestyle and my income and doesn't require me to do anything weird. Of course, I trust God. Now, on the other side of the spectrum is a different group of people and they don't even have to add disclaimers at all. They just boldly proclaim God is not to be trusted. They basically say, you can't, trust on, you can't trust God, so what happens in your life basically all depends on you. The promises of God are not to be counted on, they're not, they're not relevant, so every break that you have has to be self-made. So it's all on you. So here's what you need to do. You need to get out there and crawl up the corporate ladder because the piece of the pie is shrinking every single day. You need to make your own break and own your own destiny. They ultimately will say, look, God's a liar. You can't trust Him for anything. So where do you find yourself on that continuum? Where do we place our trust? Very recent survey went out to a number uh, of Americans in this country, and they asked the question, who, where, or in what do you place your trust? The number one answer from Americans, I put my trust in myself. It's all about me, followed by money, real estate, education, and guns. (laughs) That's ironic, right? I mean, I love the irony of the fact that the number two answer, money, actually has a statement on it. You guys know what it is. Finish it for me. In God we trust. But the truth is, if we were honest, we would have to say, no, in me I trust. In me I trust because it's my life, my money, my house, my education, and my gun. And that's what keeps me safe and secure in this busted upside down world. So which is it? Where do we find ourselves on the continuum? Is it the nice, pat Christian answer with all of the disclaimers that we don't want to talk about, or is it the bold denunciation of the statement that's printed on our cash? All weekend long, I got to this point, it just kind of gets tense in the room. Let's just stay with it, right? So last Saturday morning, I'm about doing my little experiment again. I'm asking questions as I'm standing in coffee lines. And I was getting ready to come and do a memorial service here at the church. I went to visit one of our uh, missionaries from, uh, uh, that was here visiting in the area. And I'm standing in line at Bakerview Woods. And there's a young urban professional standing behind me, right? He's got a nice suit on. He's got a wool overcoat. And he's got a man purse, okay? That's not how I roll, but good on you, okay? And so I'm standing there. And I said, hey, I'll buy your coffee if you answer a question, And he's just like, sure, just so you know Christ the King, I know who you are, okay? So don't come and stand behind me all the time. You people are not subtle at all. I walk into a coffee shop and people stand up. They've already got a coffee, but they're just, here we are, you know? Really? Wow. And by the way, if it's my kid wearing his Fishbook sweatshirt, it's not me, okay? Leave Braden alone. You're starting to bug him. All right, so. But I asked a question. Everybody takes you up on coffee in Whatcom County. I said, can you quote the Lord's Prayer? And he's just like, absolutely. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the glory, and the power, forever and ever. Amen. He just rattled right through it, just like that. He says, he, he told me, he goes, I pray that prayer in the morning. I pray that prayer in the evening. He goes, I always pray it before important business meetings. And this is where it gets so Whatcom County because we have such huge assumptions about people's belief systems. I just assumed if you know the Lord's prayer, you probably know the Lord. So I made the mistake, okay? Call it bad on my part. I went all Christian on him, right? And we start having this conversation until he finally stops me in my tracks and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say I believed it. I just said I like saying it. It makes me feel good to say it. Now, hold on. Don't go all Christian on me and get all judgmental, okay? Before we go all weird, let's hold up a mirror because I've got a question. If you say God is trustworthy and then you add a disclaimer, do you believe it or do you just like saying it because it makes you feel good to say it? Ooh. Oh, I trust God, but, I trust God until, I trust God if, are you really saying anything different? Why was I asking the guy about the Lord's Prayer? Well, I was asking because I've been doing a lot of thinking about the God that Jesus knows. The God that Jesus knows is trustworthy because if God was not trustworthy why did Jesus trust him with his pain and his suffering and his will and his life i want to make an assertion this morning i believe the lord's prayer is both prescriptive and descriptive okay most of the time we talk about the prescriptive part of the prayer and we should A group of disciples show up and say hey jesus teach us how to pray and he goes pray this way that's prescriptive but there's another way to look at the lord's prayer and that's to look at it descriptively who's on the other end who is listening The God that's actually praying the prayer and the God that's answering the prayer. What does that tell us about the character of God? Let me read it again from Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. From the evil ones. In the context of the conversation between God the Son and God the Father, what is Jesus telling us about who God is? It starts with these words, our Father. So God is our Father, not your earthly Father with all of His shortcomings. I'm the Father to my children, which means they get the good of Grant and the bad of Grant. They get the strengths of Grant and the weaknesses of Grant. They get, it, get me when I get it right and they get me when I get it wrong, which means someday they will be in therapy, Okay? Not that father, but God is a father who has no weakness. So don't do what so many of us do. We take our earthly father's shortcomings and we superimpose them on our heavenly father because we think that's just how all dads act. Let's set the record straight. A loving heavenly father stays and does not abandon. A loving heavenly father loves without manipulation. A loving heavenly Father cares to the point of selflessness. A loving Father guides and corrects without anger being the motivator. A loving Father always desires the best for His children, even when His children are absolutely clueless as to what the best actually is. Our Father, who art in heaven, in the Jewish mind, when, the, when Jesus said in heaven, they weren't thinking about a distant place where Jesus lives now or where God lives now. Absolutely not. In fact, what they would be thinking is that when they heard the word heaven, they were thinking about the atmosphere all, of the, all around them. Heaven referred to the atmosphere. They were actually, he was actually saying, God is, is, is in the air that you breathe. Jesus was saying, God is near. Right here, right now, completely present. Not distant, not removed. He's personal and up close. Have you ever noticed in Scripture that when God wants to get someone's attention, that He will whisper to them? Do you know why He whispers? Because you don't need to shout when you're three inches away from somebody. Everybody awake now? You with me? Good. Here's the challenge, though. When God gets that close, we often get a little freaked out because we don't like God inside of our bubble. We don't like him that near, so we tend to push him away, even though Jesus is saying God is near. Another way to say it is God is present, that he's not just here, but he's emotionally present. One of the most horrifying moments I ever had as a father is I'm sitting in our living room. And Brayden, who's now 20, almost 21 at this time, was like five or six years old, and he comes up beside me, as kids do, and taps me on the shoulder and says, Dad, and I'm like, yeah, you know, what do you need, Brayden? And he asks me a question, and I answer the question, and then he goes about doing his five and six-year-old stuff. And I thought I just had a great dad moment until my wife came up and said, you know what's really sad, Grant? Is the fact you didn't hear him the first six times that he called your name. See, I was there, but I wasn't present. I wasn't actively engaged in the moment. And this morning, God is actively engaged in this moment. He has our undivided attention and we have His. He's not distracted. He's not elsewhere. He's present. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is saying God is holy. God is set apart. God's not broken. God's not wrapped in dysfunction. God is complete in His perfection. Nothing that happened this week caught Him off guard. God is the antithesis of soiled. It's perfect. Another way of saying it is God is pure. God cannot sin. God can't participate with evil. God is pure. We're going to unpack that in the next couple of weeks as we take a look at the difficult topic of pain and suffering and where is God in the midst of all of that. Now, the beauty of God's purity is this. It's transferable. God actually wants to share his purity with each one of us. That is what allows us to stand before God with all of our past and everything that's ugly about us. And Jesus' commentary on it is, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be washed as white as snow. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying God is powerful. God is in complete control of His kingdom. He is above princes and above presidents. He's the king above all kings, and He exerts His power as He wills because God is never lacking in power. He is all-powerful and all-caring at exactly the same time. And ultimately, God says the kingdom of God will triumph, and the king will reign supreme on heaven and on earth. Jesus knew that. That's what allowed Him to trust God in the garden When he said, God, is there any other way to accomplish the salvation of humankind? And God's answer was, no, there isn't. What was the response of Jesus? Your will be done. Even though there was pain coming, Jesus knew in that moment of pain that the full display of God's power would take place and it would be seen on Easter morning when death would be defeated and God's will would be established as Jesus rose from the dead so that we could be set free from the bondage of sin. Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, And then he goes on, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is saying God's providing. When I was in Africa, I was so touched by the sincerity of the people's faith. It was like they wore their faith like skin. It was just a part of who they were. And I remember asking one of my African brothers, a pastor, why is it that the faith of people in Jesus is just so unbelievably obvious here? And his answer just stuck in my brain. He goes, Here's the difference between Africa and America. He said, We actually have to pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it. You just have to go to your refrigerator. Now, I'm not talking smack about your refrigerator. Praise God if you've got a full one today. That's so different than the the rest of the world. My prayer is that as a church, when you open your refrigerator and reach for the hot pockets, that you'll actually be thankful for the God who put the mini pizza there. Just to be filled with gratitude. Jesus takes a hard right turn and forgive us our debts. Jesus is saying, God is forgiving That God lives and loves to pardon and forgive and wipe clean and cancel a debt that we can't pay. That's why as we move into Easter, I I just want to, can you please make sure that you write down the date of Good Friday? We're putting all of our creative juices towards not only Easter weekend, but Good Friday. Because we so often forget, you can't have resurrection without cross. And as God's people, we've got to stop at the cross before we get an opportunity to go to the tomb. So I just want you to plan ahead. Let's come together and remember that moment when Jesus forgave. Then he actually goes on. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned or or, or debted against us. Jesus is saying God is not only forgiving, but he's also pardoning and he wants us to do the same. As you've been forgiven, forgive. Pay it forward. Release it. Then He says, and lead us not into temptation. Jesus is saying God is protective. Now, this is hard for some people because this is where the caveats and the disclaimers start, right? Well, if God is protective, then why didn't He help me when I was in the midst of blank? We're going to talk about that the next couple of weeks. In this moment, Jesus is saying God shelters. He doesn't participate with evil. He's present and powerful for the sake of protection. Even when evil is present in our lives, God gets the last word. In the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about the drama of the story of Job, possibly the oldest book in the Old Testament of a man who, who had an opportunity To worship God in the midst of deep loss and deep pain and and deep agony. And some people read the drama of Job and they get all messed up and they're just like, it seems like the devil is calling the shots. Here's how we're going to set the record straight. God gives the devil just enough rope to hang himself. And we're going to see how Job responds in that moment. As James Bryant Smith says in the book, The Beautiful, Good and Beautiful God, nothing can happen to us that God can't redeem so we have this intimate prayer, this beautiful prayer. It's one of, one of the beautiful examples of God praying a prayer and teaching His children and then answering it at exactly the same time. That's power. We consider who is speaking and who's listening, and I believe you can summarize the entire content of the prayer with these words. God is trustworthy. That we can count on who God is. Francis Foulkes wrote these beautiful words. One of the deepest convictions that the prophets and historians of Israel had about the God in whom they trusted, and the words who they believed in and were inspired to utter was that He'd not left them in ignorance of His nature and purpose but rather that he would revealed himself to them and had shown himself to be a God who acted according to principles, principles that would not change as long as sun and moon endured and that they could assume, therefore, that as he had acted in the past, that he could and would act in the future. Okay, let's get really practical, all right? It's so easy to say, in God we trust, right? So unbelievably easy to say it. But the truth is this, Trust is always lived out in action. If there's not an action that supplements trust, it's just lip service. It's just Christian commentary. It's bumper stickers on the back of cars is what it is. So if I was to ask a a question, that I'm sure I'll get some pushback on this week, but it's okay because I'm feeling kind of scrappy anyway. If you say you trust God, prove it. Prove it, because if there's no action to accompany it, it's just Christian words. We say we trust God with everything, but actions speak louder than words. So, if you say, oh, I trust God with my life. If you say that you should have no problem surrendering fully to His leading and guiding and His priorities and decisions. You should have no problem with His absolute lordship over your Monday through Saturday. And every single decision you make should be checked in as the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you towards action. If you absolutely believe that the gospel is good news and in God you trust, you should indiscriminately be able to invite every single person that you love to come to Easter to hear about Jesus. Because how can we say that we're loving if we withhold from people the greatest news in human history? If you say, I trust God with my money, then you should have no... Oh, there was the key, wasn't it? I trust God with my... For the record, this is a piece of leather filled with paper and plastic that wants to own your soul. And the sad thing about it is, for most of us, we can say it even says on the dollar bill in God we trust, but the truth is, we have never released it. I trust God, but not with this, because it's mine. I trust God with my career, really? Then you should have no problem submitting daily to His plan for your work. Uh, I trust God completely with His choice of a future spouse, really? Then have you actually consulted Him on who His choice might be? You know, the Bible says this, to the pure all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing's pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. Listen to this verse. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. So is it in God we trust, but not if He does this? Or is it simply in God I trust? So how does your trust live itself out every day? How do you submit your schedule to Jesus and say, God, I trust you with every motivation for today, and so I'm going to find your divine purpose and will, and this is the calendar as I laid it out, but God, feel free to interrupt me all day long and I won't miss it. How do we submit our business, our work, our relationships so that we can actually stand with a clean conscience and say, I I really do, I trust God. So my truck died last week. That's what happens when you drive a 2007 Chevy Trailblazer with a lot of miles on and a check engine light. Okay? That's how it rolls. So I'm over here coming down the hill by Winco, and my truck starts making chugging, ugly, expensive kinds of noises. Okay? And as I get about halfway down, it finally dies. So I pop it into neutral. A couple guys jump out, help me push it around the corner, and I'm in the parking lot by the pawn shop. So if you saw me there, that's why I was there. Okay? Just so you know. And you should have stopped and helped me. So anyway. and so I do what all guys do when your truck stops, right? I lift the hood and I look at the engine. Not that I know anything about the engine, <laughs> but that's what you do. That's man code, right? When your truck stops, you open the hood and you stare at it and go, well, this is good. There's no metal flying out and I don't see any fluid, so we should be good to go. I don't know what the truck's problem is. So I'm standing there looking at the engine and I hear a guy come up behind me and he asks a question, mind if I take a look? Scared me half to death. I bang my head on the hood and turned around and looked at him. And he's just kind of standing there, and he goes, mind if I take a look? I'm like, sure. So he joins me in looking at the engine. That's what we're doing, right? (laughs) So now there's two of us, and then he actually crawls up in the bumper, and he starts looking at a few things, and and, uh, all of a sudden he goes, you know, just a minute, I'll be right back. He goes to his truck, comes back with a little box with a couple of wires coming out of it, and he takes his, you know, whatchamacallit, Duma Flinkus gaugey thing, and he starts connecting it to different parts of my engine. And he's doing readings and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's really interesting. And he essentially finally gets down and he goes, you know what i, th- I think it's, I think it's your like dynamic flux capacitor thing of thing, right? So, so. He goes, I think I've got one in my truck. So he goes around the corner, comes back with a bunch of wrenches sticking in his pockets and this little black thing with more wires sticking out of it, and he works under my hood for about 10 minutes and then says, uh, give it a shot. So I get in my truck and I turn it on and boom, off it goes. I'm like, that's awesome. So I get out of the car and I'm standing there and I'm just like, thank you. And he says, Grant, I'm an angel and God loves you. And no, <laughs> Some of you were still with me, that was funny. (laughs) Wow, too much TV people, all right? Turn the channel, okay? (laughs) Some of you were gonna like bow your head and pray. That's so scary. (laughs) My goodness, wow. (laughs) Back to the story, true, okay. I get out of the truck and I'm just like, thank you so much. He's like, you're welcome. I said, what do I owe you? And he said, nothing. I'm just glad I could help. Have a good Monday. And he got in his truck and drove off. You know, I've been thinking about it all week long. Do you know why I trusted him? It wasn't because he was in kind of a blue mechanic uniform (laughs) (laughs) with a little white name tag that said Rory on it. If anybody knows who Rory is, let me know, okay? I'd like to say thanks. That wasn't the reason why I let him crawl up underneath the hood of my truck. In fact, I started thinking about it. You know the only reason why I let him crawl up underneath of the hood of my truck? He had dirty hands. He had grease underneath of his fingernails. Why do I believe God is trustworthy? I believe God is trustworthy because He was willing to get His hands dirty with the garbage of my life. And I don't know how much He had to peel off of you, but I know how much He had to peel off of me. And when Jesus was done, His hands were dirty. I love the fact that my God didn't try and sidestep human suffering. That he didn't try and enlighten himself above it. That he didn't try to find some philosophical excuse for it. Instead, the God that I love and serve, that I believe is trustworthy, entered head-on into human suffering and attacked all of that garbage that was laying all over me. He was willing to get his hands dirty. And that's why I choose to trust him. I believe that God, who prays and hears the same prayer, didn't sidestep the pain of the world, but instead he entered into it to prove to skeptics and believers alike that we serve a God who's not afraid of the dirt of human humanity, and that we need to look no further than the cross to understand how trustworthy God is. My prayer today is that we'll become so much more than lip service, because we say it so easy, don't we? God, we trust. Of course we do. But do we? And where do the disclaimers stop when Jesus stands in front of us and says, look at the extent that I went to to prove to you that you can trust me. All this week I've been reading in the book of Psalms as well. I found a beautiful psalm King David said in Psalm 146, verse 3, this is a good verse for every single person in the room. It's especially good for my daughter who will hear it at the 1137 service. Do not put your trust in princes. Don't put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. Don't do it. Put your trust in a king who got his hands dirty and is more than able to save. You can trust him. So I'm watching TV this past week, as many of you were, and they're showing a mountain of mud in our backyard, and there's a reporter standing there with a microphone asking a philosophical question. So many people are wondering, where is God in this? And directly behind Him are a group of rescuers getting ready to go into the mud. And they're all standing there with their gear, and by the cleanliness of their gear, you can tell they haven't been in yet, but that's where they're going. And they stand in a circle and hold hands before they start walking towards the mud. And because of a really good microphone, you can hear what their leader is saying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love You. Lord, we love You when it hurts and when the world seems upside down and out of control. Father, we trust You in these moments. And Lord, we want it to be so much more than just lip service. God, we want it to be more than just a statement on a dollar bill. God, we want it to be the truth of our lives and the way we live our Monday through our Saturday. So, Father God, today we come before You and we take Pastor Shabaz in Pakistan and because we trust You, we lay him in Your hands and we say, Your will be done. Father, we take our children and we lay them in Your hands and we say, Your will be done. We take our finances and we lay them in Your hands and we say, Your will be done. We take our relationships, our careers our real lives, and we lay them in Your hands, and we whisper because we trust You, Your will be done. But Father, may You take us beyond words into that beautiful place where we go beyond the line of good intention, and we truly live what it means to trust You. Father, I pray for any person in the room today who has never had that moment, When they fully trusted you with everything about their soul, their past, their present, and the future. And I pray that today would be the day when they look to the cross and say, Jesus, forgive me. Set me free. I choose to trust you today, right here, right now, in this moment. God, I won't live for myself anymore. I want to trust you because I believe you got your hands dirty in the sin of my life so that you could say, though your sin be as scarlet, it will be washed as white as snow. So Father, I pray for anyone today who's been holding out on the question, I don't know if I can trust God, and I pray today they would take a step of faith and trust you fully and completely because you are a God who gave fully, completely, sacrificially, ultimately. So Lord, as we come into your presence today, I thank you that you are a God who can both pray a prayer and answer it. And I pray that today, for those of us who've become so familiar with the Lord's prayer that we don't even count it anymore, God, I pray we would come back to that moment we can humbly say, Our Father, who is in heaven. Lord, for those who've never even heard the prayer before, I pray that this might be something that they can take with them through this week. And every moment that, that they hit one of those troubling times, the first thought in their mind would be, Our Father. God, it's a communal prayer. So we, may we pray it together as a community. And I thank you for your answer in advance. Because it truly is. In God, we trust. And we pray these things in your matchless, powerful name because God is trustworthy. All God's people.